Well, I know that as someone who is very interested and keeps an eye on what's going on in animal welfare, not to mention my little true crime habit that I've talked about here on the show more than a few times, I am very interested and even get you know angry when I hear about some of the crimes against animals and the disregard at times for animal life and the acknowledgement of their sentience in this world, which is why I'm so happy that tonight we have the Animal Legal Defense Fund here. So keep watching for more. So tonight I have a very special guest, as I mentioned. I have Brian Hackett, Legislative Affairs Manager from the Animal Legal Defense Fund. And he has some very exciting updates for us in the world of animal protection and welfare, as well as information for you about how you can get involved. So I want to welcome you tonight, Brian. Thank you, Anne. Glad to be here. You're welcome. We're so happy to have you here tonight. Um, welcome to everybody in the chat. Hi, good night, Owl. Good to see you tonight. Um, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Um, all right. And just to let everyone know who is in the chat, we will be taking questions. Um, you know, if they're pertinent to what we're talking about throughout, you can throw them in there. And if not, just wait till the end. If you have something we haven't talked about that you think uh, Brian might be able to answer for you. Uh, also, if you, you know, do get something out of this show, please like, subscribe, hit that bell, share and comment. I really do appreciate it more than you know. Good evening, just Larry. It's good to see you here. Somebody who is in the world of legislative affairs. So I'm excited that you're here. You might have some, you know, things you might be gleaning from this that might apply to some of the work. I don't know that you, maybe you've done in the past. So welcome. Um, so Brian, we had your lovely colleague, Kathleen Schatzman come on the show. It was a little over a year, I think ago. And so there's definitely been, there's been more going on. So um, I'm really happy that you're here to, to talk with us today. So if you could, please just, you know, tell us a little bit about what is, just an overview, what is the Animal Legal Defense Fund and what do you do there? Yeah, so the Animal Legal Defense Fund, we work to uh, protect the lives of animals and advance their interests within our legal system. So whether it be high impact uh, litigation cases where we are uh, bringing suit against uh, say, for example, a roadside zoo that is not properly following uh, regulations, or it's uh, against a company that is uh, trying to uh, gag their employees from exposing animal cruelty, for example. Uh, on the legislative side, also within our legal system, uh, we work to advance uh, stronger laws for animals around the country. And we also, in that regard, work to uh, defeat bad initiatives that could harm animals and set animals back. Uh, additionally, we have a criminal justice program department, which works with prosecutors and trains law enforcement in animal cruelty law and, and prosecution. Mm -hmm. So we're really a, uh, a comprehensive uh, shop for uh, all things legal, all things legislative that are working to advance the interests of animals in our legal system. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I go on your website and I'm just like, there's, there's so many different things 
that this organization is working on when when the show's over or when you're watching the replay be sure to go on there and just see there's it's overwhelming almost how many things need this kind of attention uh that are going on just in this country really alone because you pretty much just do the united states right we are nationwide in the U.S., correct? Okay, yeah. And uh, our legislative affairs program, uh, we monitor, track, and engage on hundreds of different pieces of legislation around the country in a given year. And uh, also, you know, our other teams work nationally as well where, where needed and where appropriate. And so just out of curiosity, how did you end up working for the Animal Legal Defense Fund? How did you get into this? Well, uh, so I guess just uh, a little bit on the personal side, I, um, I always had a keen sense for uh, animals and an empathetic side for animals for e even going back to being a young child. And I was always interested in, in animals. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fast forwarding and condensing quite a lot, but uh, the Reader's Digest version is... I just something struck me when I was about 12 or 13 and I just I, I told my mom one day mom I am not eating any more animals and <laughs> and and so so that was probably a shock for my my mother because oh my gosh what am I going to feed this kid if he's not going to be eating the uh, I guess the the sad diet the standard American uh, diet mm -hmm. um, and so I, I you know we we had um rescue cat growing up as a kid and uh and you know i i i always wanted to do something with animals but i didn't want to be a veterinarian and you know i just until after college did i realize that there are so many different ways that we all can be involved in helping animals and uh professionally before i was in uh, the animal protection movement professionally I was in the political consulting and campaign uh, operative world. So uh, a lot of the same dynamics uh, in, in this line of work, working on legislative affairs. You know, I, I work with elected officials. I look at legislation and policy. Uh, and instead of working on the political campaign side, I'm now working on the side for animals, but using those skills uh, you know, for the betterment of, of animals. So I, I, I originally started working with the uh, Humane Society of the United States, and I was the New Jersey State Director for quite some time. And uh, then I transitioned over to the Animal Legal Defense Fund, looking to have uh, a more, uh, you know, national focus, being able to work more, not just within New Jersey, but within uh, more states in, in the context that ALDF does. Yeah, very, very cool. Larry, I'm in the same boat as you because I was in a, I went to, to grad school for criminal justice and my undergrad was political science and then I ended up in the animal world and the social work mm -hmm. world. So it all kind of goes together. It's, you know, and as I was saying to Brian ahead of time, I said, just to, to let you know, I have a lot of people that came over here from the true crime world because that's I think it's all just sort of united. I don't know, people who want justice for the innocent and that includes animals. So, um, so, so Brian, let's just talk about like, if you could tell us what are some, um, what's some upcoming legislation that Animal Legal Defense Fund is working on that's on the plate right now, something that you're focused on. 
Wow, you have a few hours, Ann. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we will uh, we will try to um, condense it a bit. But uh, so ALDF, we we have kind of three general categories uh, where we where we engage. So one involves uh, companion animals. Another area is on wildlife protection, and another area is on the farm animal uh, farm animal cruelty. So on the companion animal side. One of our hallmark priority uh, legislative initiatives is what's called the Courtroom Animal Advocate Program. Mm -hmm. And what, what a CAP, C-A-A-P, what CAP essentially does is it allows a court to appoint uh, an, an animal advocate in the context of an animal cruelty case. So what happens is, uh, so, so far, uh, Connecticut and Maine are two states that already have these laws in effect. So they have active laws, active programs in Connecticut. The University of Connecticut Law School helps uh, facilitate and helps make their program in Connecticut a success. So that's a, that is a legislative initiative that we have pending bills in a number of states uh, the most active bills currently moving now are in New York and New Jersey. Uh, and so it's quite exciting yeah. in New Jersey, the uh, legislation here uh, recently passed the Assembly Judiciary Committee unanimously, and we're awaiting a floor vote in the Assembly on that bill in New Jersey. What's exciting about that is the bill in prior years has already passed the state Senate. So we've got a lot of support for this bill. And I, I don't like to um, oh, I've used the expression, count my chickens before they hatch. <laughs> but um, but I, I do think New Jersey is likely to be the next state where we pass a courtroom animal advocate program law, which is very exciting. Yeah. And as I mentioned in New York State, we also have a pending bill in New York State as well. Uh, so that's exciting. Uh, on the companion animal side, we, we work also to support possession ban legislation. And so essentially what a possession ban means or, or does is post conviction for animal cruelty, uh, an offender is not allowed to own or have contact with animals for a specified period of time. Mm -hmm. And that's of course to protect animals and make sure they're not in harm's way uh, for a potential reoffending yeah. uh, person. Uh, so in in wildlife, um, one of the just to give a, a can an I ask example, a quick question on that? Yes. Just sorry to interrupt you. Do, in in places where this has gone through, do they um, have any sort of rehabilitation for the person, or do they just have to wait a certain amount of time before they can get another so, animal? Uh, it it depends. I mean, some some laws are structured where the individual is not allowed to own an animal for the period of their probationary period. Uh, some it's a minimum of say two years or three years. Or in other cases, it's kind of an all of the above where the court has to have a minimum time for possession ban, but they can sentence the individual for a longer period of time. Uh, to, to not have the animal. And 
as it relates to the courtroom animal advocate program, you know, something to keep in mind just along the lines of your question is the courtroom animal advocate is there as a resource for the court and for both sides of the case to ensure that the interests of the animal are represented and and spoken to and protected. So the courtroom animal advocate is not on the side of the prosecution. The individual is not on the side of the defense. Okay. They're there to bring the animal's interest directly to the court. And maybe they can assist the defense with getting the individual rehabilitation or mm-hmm. or or some other type of non-incarceration help uh, where appropriate, you know? And so it, it's, it, it's it, a courtroom animal advocate is a cost neutral uh, benefit to the court system and it's discretionary. You know, in some cases the court may not want one or may not need one. In other cases, it could be incredibly helpful. I mean, in the, in the Michael Vick, the horrific Michael Vick uh, dogfighting case, um, there was a, a special master in that case. And, and in that context, that special master kind of acted in, in the same capacity a, a cap advocate would mm-hmm. um, by representing the dogs and reporting on their condition, um, being a liaison between the court and the public in a high profile case where people want answers and people want updates. Um, so it, it, that legislation is a huge priority for, for ALGF. Okay, very, very interesting. Yeah, because it would be nice to see if there was something in place, you know, just so that they don't, okay, we waited a couple years or whatever, a year, and now we get another dog and do the same thing. But um, mm-hmm. we definitely have some good questions and <laughs> some people who are interested in finding out how they can help with um, specifically that bill. And yeah, Larry, just Larry is in New York and he had, he jokes, I still have some political capital. So he wants to know how he can get involved. People are wondering how to get involved. Larry's particularly New, New York State though. Um, yes. So generally speaking, what I would, um, what I would advise is on our ALDF website at ALDF.org, there are state-specific pages. So for example, if you go to aldf.org slash New Jersey, uh, there's a New Jersey-specific page where we will have a list of active legislation that we're working on. There will be some action alerts at the bottom of the page. Uh, And also in in New York or New Jersey and a number of other states, um, I could be emailed uh, directly for 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 action in in that state so my aldf email is is my first initial last name at aldf.org so that's b hackett uh, b-h-a-c-k-e-t-t at aldf.org and in new york um you know just specifically to larry's question really really quick um we're looking at outreach to uh, assembly members in in the state to co-sponsor the bill and to, um, of course, support the bill getting a hearing in the Judiciary Committee. So that's the, the next important step in New York. And that was, let me, um, I'm just going to put that on the screen. It's B... H-A-C-K-E-T-T, Hackett at ALDF.org. Okay, and I'm going to have that in the description, too, for anyone who's watching the replay or... Let's go look at that after. And if any of your viewers uh, are interested in in being engaged, 
uh, you can email me directly. And if, if you're in a state that I d uh, do not cover for ALDF, I'm happy to uh, refer you to one of my colleagues in my department who does cover your state, who'd be happy to speak with you. Very, very cool. Thank you so much. Um, okay, so I cut you off. Um, okay, and, and also you do training too. You may have said that and I might have missed it, but you do training for um, lawyers and is it lawyers and like soon to be lawyers or something like that to actually take on these roles, these their volunteer positions, is that right? Or are they? Yeah, so in the context of the courtroom animal advocate program laws, um, yes, ALDF will work with the state court system in um, helping maintain a list of volunteer attorneys and also the training of those individuals for how a CAP program works. Okay. Very cool. Makes me wish I'd gone to law school instead of. <laughs> Um, well, everybody thinks I'm a lawyer, but I'm not. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that helps and hurts depending on the situation. Right. <laughs> you do kind of have that presence and I guess the, the title and everything. But um, Okay, so I cut you off. So you were, you were getting to some other things. The wildlife um, category. Yes, right. Yeah, so, you know, wildlife is an area where... It, you know, so, so many of us as animal advocates, you know, when we think about animal welfare, our minds kind of immediately jump to, you know, cats and dogs. And that's great. You know, we all love cats and dogs, right? Um, but wild animals really, really need our assistance. Um, you know, there are horrific roadside zoos where animals are kept in horrific conditions and exploited. There are animals used in circuses, which is just horrific. Um, there, there are canned hunts, uh, and what a canned hunt is, is essentially animals are born, bred, and kept in a small confined area where a rich hunter can just turn around and pay to shoot them. It's like <laughs> shooting fish in a barrel. It's really kind of pathetic. It's unbelievable. Yeah, um, it is. And, and, and also are wildlife killing contests where there are specifically contests where a mass number of animals, maybe coyotes, maybe foxes, raccoons, squirrels, you name it, uh, you know, they're killed indiscriminately over the course of a few hours or a one day contest and mm. people get guns or cash prizes or some other prize. And then they just throw the animals in the dumpster. Ugh. It's pretty, pretty horrific. There have been numerous undercover investigations done of these killing contests, just Google, you know, Maryland, New Jersey, New York, wildlife killing contest, undercover investigation. You'll, you know, if you can stomach seeing the video. Um, so yeah. these are pretty horrific. Um, and we're working to support legislation in a number of states to prohibit uh, these wildlife killing contests. So that's one example. We're also working uh, against uh, bills in some states that would allow or expand the canned hunting practice. Uh, for one in Wisconsin, uh, we're working against a horrible bill in Wisconsin on the canned hunting. Uh, so, you know, wild animals are, don't, don't, you know, wild animals belong in the wild and that's the best case scenario for them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, of course, some wild animals need to be in a sanctuary for whatever reason, um, but, you know, roadside zoos and circuses just, uh, we should all, 
you know, do what we can to raise awareness that animals are not to be used for entertainment. Right. And one of one of the one of the accomplishments that I'm most proud of having been able to lead and work on with a number of other you know wonderful advocates and organizations is New Jersey, my home state, uh, being the first uh, state in the in the U.S. to comprehensively prohibit the use of animals in traveling shows and circuses, um, and then Hawaii followed. Uh, so you know there are you know some bills around the country pertaining to circus animals, and there's a federal uh, legislation called the TEPSVA. Um, Traveling Exotic Animal Safety Protection Act, I believe is what that stands for, TEPSFA, on the federal level to basically stop circus animal exploitation. Um, so that's how the wildlife category. <laughs> so how far off is that? So that's in, in process, the, the federal legislation? We're kind of hoping yeah, that so, will... so quite frankly, federal legislation for a whole variety of reasons is the, the, the hardest to really get past. Um, uh, you know, often for reasons not involving the legislation itself, you know, political dysfunction and divide and, and, and other things happening on the federal level. It, it, I, it's difficult to get any bill on anything passed federally, <laughs> sadly, with the, with the way the federal yeah. government uh, works nowadays, but we are engaged on that level. But um, again, you know, where people can be engaged is locally. It's in their own state. And it's also federally, you know, there's always mm -hmm. that option. But the, the closer you get to home, the bigger and better impact you could potentially have, right? Okay, I mean, if, yeah. if you mm -hmm. live in your local town and you're friendly with your mayor, Mm -hmm. uh, or a town council person, you know, town is a smaller area. You tend to know more right. people and it's easier to be involved. And then you, you lift that up to the, to, the, to the county level and then the state level. Um, so as government gets farther away from the, the individual, uh, and yes, Tip O'Neill, all politics is local for sure, uh, <laughs> but the farther that we get away from the individual where that individual lives, the, the more diffuse our impact could yeah. potentially be. Okay. Um, okay. So I guess I was just hoping that maybe the federal would get passed and then that would just end the whole deal. <laughs> um, it would in many cases, uh, but you know, the more that we, you know, really conceptually, the more that individual states pass something, the stronger of an opportunity we have federally because there's more buy-in on the state level to encourage mm -hmm. those elected officials to move on the federal level. So, mm -hmm. and the same goes for local efforts. You know, it, some states like in New Jersey and Florida, individual municipalities can prohibit the sale of dogs from puppy mills. Mm -hmm. And so in New Jersey, we have 153 individual cities that have banned the sale of puppy mill animals. So that helps support our efforts on the state level in Trenton to pass a statewide bill. Mm -hmm. So the same concept for the number of U.S. states working on something can tr help translate to the federal level. Right. Okay. Somebody was asking about puppy mills. Um, yeah, that was pretty recent here, right? In, in New Jersey, the, the puppy mill. I remember that 
si signing things like didn't that just go through in the past couple of years the there have mill. been a number of legislative efforts in New Jersey on on pet stores and puppy mills. We got pretty far uh, under the last governor, and then the bill was vetoed, so we had to go back to the to the drawing board. But in New York, there is a very active effort to pass the the New York puppy mill pipeline bill, and that would be a tremendous. And ALDF is very involved in that coalition in New York along with a number of other national and state-based organizations in New York. And on the puppy mill issue, and definitely that is one in our companion animal category where we work on a lot, um, in New York, you know, we've had thus far California, Maryland, Maine, and Illinois have prohibited the sale, the retail sale of cats and dogs from, from puppy kitten mills. Okay. If New York becomes the next state, we're talking 75 or so retail stores that truck in insane amounts wow. of puppies from puppy mills, horrific places where they will not be allowed to sell those animals anymore. Okay. So it's working on the supply side and it's working on the demand side to reduce puppy mill cruelty. And that's what we're looking at. Okay. Um yeah, so you're saying good night owl just comment. I think there's progress being made in the ban of puppy mills, but we have a long way to go. Missouri has been one of the worst states for illegal puppy mills. Don't know if that's still the case. Missouri is a problem for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Larry was saying uh we just we should be able to do it in New York. We have a super majority in both houses and the governor. Good, good. Yeah, the, the bill in New York uh, passed the state Senate pretty overwhelmingly last year. Uh, and so that was really tremendous. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, this year we have to get that vote in the Senate again, and we also have to move it in the New York Assembly as well. So um, we have until I believe the end of July to, to, to get it done this year. And um, you know, I don't have any pertinent updates right now other than uh, we're working on securing more assembly sponsors on that bill. That's very important in New York. Just out of curiosity, do you run into issues with, I'm, I'm sure, I know with the, the farming, there's issues. You run into problems with people because they're of the, the money involved in agriculture farming, but is it pretty, I mean, things like puppy mills and roadside zoos and, you know, do you, at this point in time in 2022, is it sort of like, this will all be going away? It's just the red tape of getting things through? Thank you, Larry. That would be great. It's a good question. Um, and, uh, and Larry, I'll get you the bill numbers and some of our information on, on that bill that's up to date uh, for this year if you email me. Um, so that's a good question. And uh, it's pretty hard to believe in some ways that in 2022, given the cornucopia of entertainment options that we have in our lives, in our country that don't involve live animals, that there is still a need that some feel that we need to exploit animals for our own entertainment. Um, I think when we see companies like Ringling Brothers going out of business right. and we mm -hmm. see 
states moving against circuses. And I think there's a tremendous amount of progress that's been made. And, and we've come a long way in working against these, these horrific enterprises. But sadly, we're not quite at that light at the end of the tunnel yet. Uh, you know, we still have cub petting nonsense mm. in, in, in various states. We still have these roadside zoos where people can go and, you know, cuddle with a bear. And I mean, just ridiculous, just situations where people and their, and their kids are in tremendous safety risk and danger mm. because these are wild animals. <laughs> it's not, it's, yeah. you know, it's not their fault. They're not supposed to be jumping through fiery hoops right. and, you know, and, and right. being, I mean, these are wild animals. And, and, you know, we, we, we see these videos online or I saw a show vacations gone wild. And, you know, this, this monkey was en ended up attacking this, 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 this guy that was hand, it's a wild animal. Are you surprised? Right. You know, right. at some point they're stressed. They don't want to be in chains and they're going to attack you at some point. Yeah. You know, these aren't pets. These aren't domesticated animals. So yeah. it, it's, it's spreading awareness and, and educating and, you know, trying to address these things in a comprehensive way from different, different approaches. Right. Yeah. Um, people can go to an, a, a circus without live animal acts. There's human acrobatics and there's magic mm -hmm. and there's so many ways that you can be entertained without exploiting animals. Right, right. Yeah, what always gets me is then the, the animal ends up getting put down or what have you. Of course. You want to call right. it that. But the animal situations. always suffers for human stupidity. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah, um, that, exactly. That's what I was just saying. The animal always gets the death warrant when an unruly child or a cretinous, a cretinous sorry, adult jumps the fence. Yeah, absolutely. It always ends up in the animal's suffering. Um, so I'm just curious. Um, so we went from companion animals to wild animals. And then was the third, were you going to talk about farm farming? Animals. Okay. Mm -hmm. So farm animals... Um, in sheer numbers, in the billions upon billions upon billions for farm animals that suffer the most in factory farms and, and cruel, cruel conditions for these animals. So one area where ALDF works is to uh, prohibit cruel confinement of these animals. At the bare minimum, we can afford these animals some dignity of having just simple space to move around, right? Mm -hmm. So in Hawaii, there's a, uh, a hen a welfare bill where it would um, essentially require cage-free for the hens. Mm -hmm. uh, in New Jersey, we have a very active bill that has tremendous support which I too believe will, will, will get done this year mm -hmm. uh, to ban the cruel confinement of pigs and veal calves yeah. mm -hmm. uh, in these you know, small crates. So that's, that's just one area with farm animals where we're working to provide these animals a modicum of decency, which is what they deserve. Um, we also fight what's known as ag-gag laws. And ag-gag is 
kind of essentially exactly what it says is is agricultural gagging of people like you and I who may expose cruelty happening in these slaughterhouses or you know far you know large farms what we call CAFOs concentrated animal feeding operations where there's thousands of animals kept in just very tight crammed disgusting conditions and so when people use their freedom of speech to say hey look at this horrible cruelty going on some states want to try to criminalize that hmm. and we just had a very exciting victory mm -hmm. uh if your viewers didn't see the wire uh or follow you know aldf via email um newsletter or on social media aldf just won another lawsuit against uh the iowa agag legislation which a second time a court struck down as totally unconstitutional. So yeah. the more that we fight agag, the more that we can expose these cruelties in these environments where these animals are, and the more that we can fight for these animals. And you know, when, we, when we've just come out of a worldwide pandemic, which in some parts of the world it's still happening, uh, this COVID pandemic, it really highlights how animals and humans are so interconnected you look at these mink fur farms in denmark and in other countries where humans gave the mink covid yet mm -hmm. they killed millions right of mink, uh, yeah you know it's terrible and, and, yeah and so when these animals are kept in these horrific conditions it's breeding grounds for zoonotic disease mm -hmm. and antibiotic yeah. resistance. And, you know, in 10, 15, 20 years when our antibiotics don't work anymore, right. and it's because they've been indiscriminately used because 80% of farm animals have some type of illness that they're just, you know, the antibiotics are literally poured all over them because these places are so disgusting. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, this, this has big impacts for human health. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and it got really serious too with COVID things got worse, right? With, uh, I think I saw this on your website recently, you were, it mentioned how the conditions got worse. There were less workers and animals ended up suffering because of that. They ended up putting down like I hate the word sometimes is, uh, you know, <laughs> killing all these animals because they couldn't take care of them. Um, this overabundance of animals, right? It was something like, yeah, along um, those lines with COVID. I right? believe the term we had used was depopulation, <laughs> which is even kind of too nice of a word. Uh, but yes, so when supply chains broke down and slaughterhouse workers got sick with COVID, and there was just this overabundance of animals, they just killed them all. Um, and in some pretty horrific ways were permitted. Uh, some pigs were roasted to death by steaming. So essentially they, they, mm. they put, you know, got it so hot and sticky, they dehydrated and just died a miserable death. Um, you know, some chicken, you know, chickens being culled and the mink and the fur farms being just suffocated, carbon dioxide gas. Um, really horrible, horrible things affecting tens of millions of animals. And that's not including the, the billions and billions each year around the world that are used for food, you know, that actually do make it to people's plates. So 
you know, we're, we're not, we're not telling, you know, we certainly don't, uh, you know, tell people to be vegan. Uh, but we do, you know, ask that people be mindful of, you know, where their food is coming from mm -hmm. and how the food is processed. And there's certainly, uh, really bad ways that that food can be processed and there's much you know more humane ways it could be processed and even some of the 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 labeling is misleading like free range doesn't necessarily mean or is it what is it free now i'm getting confused as i'm sitting here thinking of it there's a word so for, cage, yeah, go ahead. Free, <laughs> cage free right cage yeah. free does not necessarily mean free range so Cage free, if you take an eight and a half by 11, just standard piece of printer paper, mm -hmm. that's essentially the amount of space uh -huh. that an egg laying hen or, or, or a boiler chicken has to move around. Uh -huh. And so if you remove that cage, maybe they're just kept in a more confined, smaller area without a cage, but there's still you know, 50 other birds sandwich right. you know so right. yeah there there there's we call that humane washing mm -hmm. um where you know something is portrayed to be humane but perhaps it really isn't and it's more of a marketing gimmick mm -hmm. so definitely kind of looking into you know where where those terms come from and what the companies are really doing um I'm not sure if this falls under, I guess, well, this, I'm kind of going backward to the wildlife, but um, the, some of the legal, I don't know if you were saying that those canned hunts, I know that you're, you're trying to get legislation to stop them, but are they, um, are they done under the rate? Are they done sort of like it's a crime, but, but you know, we just don't have the legislation to, or, you know, we can't arrest people for it? No. Or, I mean, no, I, it depends state by state, but in many states around the country, canned hunts are totally legal. Okay. You know, there are canned hunting farms in Texas uh, where, you know, it's a big ranch and the animals are bred. Sometimes these are even threatened and endangered species, which, you know, we've called some of these to the carpet for, yeah. um, for this, you know, potential violations of the Endangered Species Act. Um, where, you know, rich hunters can go and just have a quick, easy kill. And it's quite unsportsmanlike. Yeah, quite, there's not the ethical fair chase. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and I, I will say, to be fair, there are a lot of hunters who, who oppose these, these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. there are a lot of hunters who say canned hunting is absolutely pathetic mm -hmm. and unethical and just lazy. You know, you're just lazy. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, the, the, the trophy hunting, canned hunting, you know, there, you know, I'm sure all of your viewers have probably heard about Cecil the lion who is killed, mm -hmm. you know, beautiful lion killed by this American trophy hunter yeah. just for what? A, a, a picture and, and to put the, right. the trophy. So, so that type of, there are certainly you know, distinctions in what types of hunting there are. You know, there's the hunter who there's fair chase who goes into the woods and quickly shoots an animal and uses the animal for food and, and, and other, you know, nothing goes to waste. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have 
you know, these trophy hunters and canned hunters who just, uh, you know, raise these animals and kill them easily for trophies. So really, you know, disgusting. But, but again, you know, mm-hmm. I think hunting, you're seeing these, these, these just incredibly frustrating and, and, and tragic examples of, of some of this, but hunting overall in, in this type of hunting, I think is really just decreasing. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the, it just because it's my home state, I happen to know these real granular statistics, but in, in, in New Jersey, out of over 9 million people, how many, what percentage of the population, and just take a quick guess, what, oh, what no. percentage of the, what Numbers. percentage of the population in New Jersey do you think hunts? You know, that's, that's the thing. It actually, it, I have, a, a, I'm not going to get this right at all, because to me, <laughs> where I live, I can't it. imagine hunting to begin with, because it's like too suburban urban like i'm up in the morristown area it's not really but i was one day around thanksgiving i was walking in the area and in the complex where i live i'm walking my dogs and this guy behind a dumpster is like doing something to a bird like i see him like doing something like like and I'm like, what's going on? Like, I don't know what's going on. And I, I, I'm like, is this, a, what is happening? Like, because there is a little bit of a wooded, tiny, tiny wooded area here nearby. And I'm like, did he go in there and kill a bird? So I went to my husband. I'm like, there's a guy who's out there. Like, he's like, no, he probably went hunting and brought it back. And he's like, you know, doing what, I don't know, they do to it. Like defeathering it? I, or- yeah, my dogs were going crazy i mean they were like you know german shepherd like pulling me all over the place but um i get i don't know because i can't i I don't a million i don't know like is that even so five hundred thousand not out of nine million people (laughs) less than one half of one percent holds a hunting license okay okay So, so literally more than 99.5% of the state of New Jersey either does not hunt or doesn't approve of hunting. Okay. That actually doesn't surprise me that much. Yeah. Yet, you know, the, you know, these, these state agencies are, are so outdated in their, in their constitution. And, you know, for example, the New Jersey division of fish and wildlife, the fish and game council, I mean, th- there are statutes from the 1950s that constitute these these bodies, and wow. you look at it, and th- the only people allowed to be on these bodies are hunters. <laughs> so, so you, know, you 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 have entire state agencies of government funded by all of our tax dollars, just predominantly biased towards supporting right. hunting when 99.5 percent of the state doesn't hunt. Yeah, that makes no sense at all. It's really unbelievable. Yeah. Is, um, it's, <laughs> that, sorry, my cat's like about to eat something she shouldn't. Um, so. My office door is closed, so the cats. That's are what I should. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, the barbarians are on the, on the edges of the <laughs> Roman Empire. The cats are at the gates outside the door. <laughs> I was telling, 
I had to set up this, reset up this whole background for this cat who's now over there across the room. Like I can't get to her eating, trying to play with plastic. She hasn't gotten to eating it. She's got her head. She's safe. I'm like watching her. <laughs> I thought but, you'd have a cat perfectly perched on that little round shelf behind I, you just for, for your frame. But that's what she's yet. supposed to do. That's what we... <laughs> Went and changed my whole studio. On there. Yeah, that's what I said to my husband before. I'm like, maybe we should just attract her so she'll sit on this thing. Because she, honestly, since I set this up, now she won't sit here. Even though of course. Of every course. time that's before it, she had, and she's enormous. She's 11 pounds. Oh, there she is. There she is. Okay. So she can do damage. So the idea was like, <laughs> instead of eating my wires and knocking the camera over in the middle of the show, I would set her up. But now, of course, she's anyway. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it does when I being in New Jersey, it doesn't surprise me that there and just I don't I've only, I only know except for that guy. Um, I only know like <laughs> of somebody who hunts. It's just not something that you hear too many people, at least where I am, too. Like I'm in northern New Jersey. But um, yeah, that's a lot to work with. If everybody there is, uh, you know, on that um, team is all they're all hunters so um i'm curious are are there any you know laws or you know legislation that you just really feel extremely passionate about like you've been working at this and it's you know something that you're really passionate about seeing go through um at this time that's a difficult question Uh, everything um, right (laughs) I mean, I, I'm, I am, uh, I am passionate uh, about all of this legislation, and you know, so, so many animals and so many of these categories need help, and um, you know, whether it be the companion animals, it be wildlife, it be the farm animals, um, I, I, I guess you know, personally, I have a little bit more of a uh, a gravitation towards the farm animal issues. I mean, I, I work a lot on the wildlife and the, and the hunting stuff, which just boils my blood. Um, but the farm animals, I, I mean, I, I really encourage your viewers, you know, there, there are farm animal sanctuaries probably in every state. I don't know specific ones in every state, but, you know, I, I've been to a few different farm sanctuaries and, you realize these animals are, you know, you use the word in the beginning of your show, sentient, uh, but, you know, not using that word. I mean, these are living, breathing, emotional beings. I mean, to see this dairy cow who was rescued and to see this pig who was rescued and a goat and, I mean, I hung out for like 10 minutes with this beautiful turkey at this farm sanctuary. And I noticed the turkeys, um, oh boy, I should know, you know. Um, the, it's like beak or whatever. I actually don't know if that's I, called the, a beak either. Well, like, no, not it's... the beak, but like the, the, the skin that kind of is around the, the oh, so okay. the skin was turning, I think it was turning like a blue color. And I looked at the owner of the sanctuary, I said, turkey's face is changing colors and he said yeah when turkeys when they turn that color they're they're relaxed and they're happy 
and you know this beautiful turkey was just and you know and i'm petting this turkey and it just it's really amazing when you can look into the eyes of the animal and you say you know you're no different than my cat my dog you know, yeah. you're, you're no different than my best friend I went to college with, mm-hmm. you know, you just happen to have feathers and you live on a farm, really, you know, I mean, <laughs> it just, right. Well, they have um, families and yeah, I mean, they have feelings and, and they, yeah. they mm-hmm. have, you know, um, and, and so I, I do particularly have a gravitation towards those animals just because the sheer number of those animals that it's are a snood affected. apparently. Uh, yes. <laughs> thank you. Snood. <laughs> um yeah i can see how you know do you so as part of your job do you go and meet these animals in person or well you know uh the only animals i typically deal with in a day are politicians uh you know that so i'm a political animal in that sense um and you know working in my job uh you know legislation and policy and i'm working with more so people every day Mm -hmm. um but uh, but no, I mean, if we have uh, partners in in certain places that help support our legislation, you know, for example, one of our states where we have a bill pending, that's the sanctuary I went to. They're very involved uh, supporting our work and they just have a beautiful farm sanctuary. So we had an event there to support, you know, the legislation. So that's when I have the privilege and the opportunity to really engage directly with uh with animals like that. And in my prior uh, role, you know, we, we worked closely with animal shelters. So, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of how I went from one cat to two cats, to four cats to six cats. And I'll just stop it there. Um, and, uh, you know, kept adding them on. Um, I, you know, something that I would love to see happen, but I don't, I'm, I'm not sure if, in what form it needs to happen but is there you know i've seen where there's there's a push to try to um and this has only happened i think in oregon i want to say i did a show about this a few few shows back about like giving animals the title of sentient beings um how important do you think that is so I think any opportunity we have to recognize that animals are living, breathing, feeling, thinking beings. They're not humans, of course, uh, but you know, humans are mammals and the, many of these animals are also mammals. Uh, so, you know, we're, 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 we're in some levels, you know, very similar. Um, I think that's a benefit to the animals because in so many places, the legal status of animals is nothing more than property. Mm-hmm. So legally, you know, it, it, you, an animal is, you know, sadly, you know, you have a shovel in your shed and, you know, property is property, right? right. Um, but the idea that we have so many animal cruelty laws about animal cruelty is is a statement by and of itself that animals are not just property, right? Mm -hmm. Where we have whole statutes dealing with animal cruelty, saying that maiming and torturing and mistreating and starving animals is is a criminal offense and you can't do certain things. It's an acknowledgement 
that animals are living, breathing, feeling emotional beings, right? And so the more that we can strengthen those laws, the more that we can um, bring awareness to the fact that these animals uh, deserve a higher level of protection. And again, you know, humans are humans and animals are animals, but animals deserve much more protections than they're getting in many places. And one of the fundamental reasons they deserve those better protections is because they too bleed, they too feel pain, they too think, they too have emotions, they too have connections to their children and their, you know, familial structures within there. So, so that is a fundamental important fact to recognize anytime we can. And it actually brings me to this uh, post I did today about Desmond. Oh, uh, yes. Let me see if I can, we look a little weird. Whoops, get you back there. Um, <laughs> so my question in my post to people was, what happens if a dog is beaten to death like Desmond below? but prosecutors elect not to bring charges. Can the dog file a suit on their own behalf? Is there anyone else who is able to pursue justice under the criminal law system? So we know the answer. We've kind of touched on it with the the court appointed, but let me let you talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so so there, there is a case known as Justice the Horse and I, I believe it's out of Oregon that uh, your viewers can definitely uh, Google um, ALDF Justice the Horse. And, there, and, and I don't cover Oregon, so I, 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 I'm not an expert on this particular piece of legislation, this policy. But as I understand it, um, there was able to be a lawsuit on behalf of the horse. And, and, and justice the horse is the horse in that case. Um, so definitely take a look at that. Now, the courtroom animal advocate program laws, it's, it's a distinction in that the animals are not getting a lawyer in courtroom animal advocate programs. They're not getting a lawyer in the way that you or I would get a lawyer in a case. Mm-hmm. It's more of a, a court-appointed kind of special advocate, where you know the prosecution has an obligation to the state. Right. A pro- the prosecution doesn't necessarily have an obligation to represent an animal in an animal cruelty case. They're representing the state's case against a violator for maybe a whole, maybe all sorts of different violations not just an animal cruelty law violation right mm-hmm. and the defense of course is representing the, def- the 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 defendant and is challenging the charges so there's nobody to specifically speak to the interests and status of those animals that were the victims in that case right mm-hmm. Yeah. So the courtroom animal advocate is focused on those victims in that case. In, and in animal cruelty cases, of course, those are the animals. Okay. And Desmond was the dog that kind of inspired the Connecticut, state of Connecticut, start to start the courtroom? Yes. Um, advocate? Okay. Yes. Or Desmond. 
Um, uh, ALDF, we just released a couple weeks ago, um, we did a national release of a really powerful video um, that was narrated by Angelica Houston about the courtroom animal advocate program uh, effort. Okay. And Desmond is featured in that video. Oh, okay. And uh, and again, you know, just you can Google ALDF um, uh, uh, courtroom animal advocate programs and the page on that issue will come up and you can see the video there. Okay. Um... Your website is aldf.org, is that right? Yes. Okay. And I'll, I'll have that in the description to everybody um, for the replay and anybody that wants to, to go there afterward. Um, and then how else can people get involved? I know I get a lot of your emails and things, and that's very helpful. So if you could tell people what they can do to get involved. So yeah, so specifically for ALDF, there's a few uh, few ways to kind of stay engaged, stay informed, and then um, get information. So uh, definitely, you know, we have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you know, all of those um, platforms. So be sure to, you know, like and follow and, you know, um, I don't personally do all the tweeting and, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, um, I'm a geriatric millennial, so I kind of, um, but, but I, but if, if anybody are on those platforms, definitely follow ALDF, uh, there and, um, definitely sign up for, um, email updates because the organization sends general emails about general issues, general updates. But then if you put in where you live, like your state, you'll get state specific, alerts or emails about things going on in your state when appropriate. So that's, that's uh, important. On our website, there's a lot of really amazing resources. Mm -hmm. There are, you know, pre-recorded webinars about how to lobby and about different issues and different, uh, different topics. Um, I just did one this week on our quarterly legislative update for you know, this, this point in the year already. And we covered a lot of different issues and, um, you know, some, a, a brief lobby 101. So you can catch that information. There's a, the state rankings report, the 2021 ALDF state rankings report on our website, where it's an, it's an interactive map. And, you know, you can look up your own state, you can look it up by issue area and see Very where cool. your state ranks. Yeah. And, you know, you'll see areas where there's good things happening in your state. Hopefully uh, you're not in the in the red bottom tier. Um, <laughs> but in, in all instances, there's usually some area where there's room for improvement, whether you're mm -hmm. number one or you're number 50 uh, in ranking. So that's a very informative tool. Um, we also just recently published a model uh, model legislation guide so there are um, draft terms and definitions and actual language that you can pull for all these different animal protection initiatives. So mm, okay. if you're friends with your mayor and you want to go to your mayor and say, hey, you know, pass a resolution or an ordinance about this animal issue, there's language there that you can present oh, to him and okay. say, here's model language. 
Um, that's great. So that's a great resource. And of course, uh, for, for folks who want to be involved within their own state on legislative matters, you know, we have our legislative affairs team and, you know, we, we all cover different states. So um, wherever your state is, if there's an ordinance you want to work on, if there's um, a legislative effort, either offensively or defensively, uh, that, that we're working on, um, or you go to the, your state rankings report and you see that, you know, maybe your state doesn't have mandatory cross-reporting of animal cruelty yet, and you want to talk to someone about, you know, what are the, what are the ways that we can try to work on that particular issue, mm-hmm. um, we can be engaged. So, um, oh we're, you know, yeah. our particular team is a small but mighty team, um, and you know, we do a lot of, of work, and we try our best to, um, you know, work with everybody who wants to be involved. Yeah, it's amazing. If you go to their website, it's at this at ALDF.org. There is the, the amount of work that they're doing, the amount of legislation that's out there. Um, it's 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 incredible. Um, there's something for everyone in your state. And you know what I wish I'd gotten to? I know I promised to, to let you go. It's been an hour, but um, you guys are always no, welcome no back. Um, <laughs> but I know I wanted to just, if I could real quick ask, is there... Um, The topic of animals who are in homes with domestic violence and, you know, is there anything going on with that in any state that's really, you know, I know that especially with our audience, we have people who are very interested in those types of um, situations that are going on. There's a few big cases right now, but what happens to the animal and are animals considered uh, family members? Are they victims of domestic violence? And, you know. Anything going on with that topic right now? Yeah, so a couple a couple uh, points on that that are I, I think not directly domestic violence, but obviously very much are involved with with that issue. Um, so we support laws, uh, pet custody laws. So so for example, uh, the state of New York last year, late last year, passed a law requiring animals be considered in separation and divorce proceedings. So, you know, again, legally, uh, animals are property. And so in a divorce, you know, the couple's property has to be split up and and, and divvied out, right? So um, those laws require courts to really take into account the interests of the animal in mm-hmm. terms of of those those separation proceedings. So that is 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 kind of a domestic, you know, related issue mm-hmm. that, you know, we, we there are good laws and, and efforts to try to um, think about the animal in those difficult situations. Um, and another uh, one is, you know, that I just made reference to is cross-reporting of animal cruelty. So, um, you know, in some states, there's just veterinary reporting where it requires a veterinarian to make a report to authorities if they suspect there's been, you know, criminal animal cruelty with an animal that they see. And those are good laws. But there are in other states laws that are... Um, 
kind of what I call an omnibus cross-reporting, where it requires cross-reporting for child protective services employees, for mm-hmm. elder care situations. Um, so if anyone in the, in, the, in the capacity of their job as mm-hmm. a social worker or uh, an elder care worker or any of those capacities sees a situation where animals are in a very challenging situation, um, it would be you know required to report those situations. And it's not always punitive, right? It doesn't have to be, you know, we're going to mm-hmm. report this person and, and throw mm-hmm. them in jail. It's maybe it's, it's a problem of resources. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, an individual can't afford to, you know, help their animal with veterinary care. Right. Well, then let's, let's help that person get the animal veterinary care. Maybe there's a charitable program or some uh, local organization that can help that person get the animal, the care and, 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 and other you know, sustenance the animal needs. So those mm-hmm. reporting laws are important in, in challenging situations, as well as the pet custody um, uh, considerations in, in domestic disputes. So mm-hmm. um, those are two you know, areas just specifically kind of touching upon uh, domestic situations where the, the interest of, the, of those animals is, is really important to consider. Yeah, absolutely. When I used to do in-home work as a social worker, that was always, it It wasn't like an official thing, but it just became part of what we did. You know, if you cared, you were a social worker who had a heart with animals. Um, the animals got help too. I mean, that was just sort of trying to get people resources, wrap around resources. So it's good to hear that it's become more official since many years ago when I was doing that kind of work um, or that it's st- you know, they're trying to make it more official, more across the board. So. We're trying to, I, you know, yeah. I, I remember a few years ago, I somehow I got a call from uh, a principal in a school and the principal was, was asking me for some guidance because there was a young girl coming into the school and just, you know, just um, really just concerning um concerning things were being displayed by the girl in terms of her health and her appearance and, you know, bites and things like this. And mm. it, found, it, it ended up, she was coming from a hoarding, an animal hoarding situation. Oh, wow. So, you know, so in, in that, and, you know, the principal said to me, you know, we're, we're getting the, the girl some help, but what about all the animals there? And I mean, that, that the house was a horror house with, you know, rabbits and cats and I mean, it was it was a nightmare, and you know. So, how how much do you really help that young girl if that's the environment she's going back to every day after school? Yeah. You know, so not only does she, does she need help, but her family in the hoarding case and those animals need help because that's not a healthy situation for anybody. Right. Right. <clears throat> yeah. It's really it has to be holistic, and everything has to be taken into consideration to really make a change. Um. And let me, you know, I see some a, a comment here. I'll have to talk to you afterward, um, SK. Maybe leave something in the comment. I can, I don't know exactly what to say about that, but we do need to make sure uh, you know, things are okay there. Um, so I don't want to keep you because um, I know we've gone over, we've taken up a lot of your time, and, you know, it's just there's so much you guys are doing, and uh, many of us are so appreciative. So many people just saying thank you for, for what you do 
And for what Animal Legal Defense Fund is doing, yes, wanting Brian to come back and keep us updated with things, it surely would be nice. Yes, absolutely. I would be more than happy to come back. Um, you know, there there is so much happening all the time, and uh, there have probably been updates just in the hour that I've been been on with you. So um, <laughs> I, I'm happy to come back anytime. It's been uh, a real pleasure, and um, you know, Wonderful. anytime. Wonderful. Absolutely. would love to have you. And um, if I could keep you for one minute after we end, I would appreciate it. I just want to get a photo. But <laughs> thank you, everybody who's been here tonight. And, you know, have a wonderful weekend coming up. And if you're watching the replay or you're <clears throat> coming back and just want to at the end of this, <clears throat> excuse me, leave a comment. Let us know. Happy St. Patty's Day to everybody. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. <clears throat> Happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. Thank you. And have a wonderful evening.